Hi, everyone, and welcome to Talent Talks. I'm Rob Adams. In this episode, we're excited to be joined by Ken Wilcox, partner at HI Executive Consulting, HIEC. Ken is a seasoned executive with over 30 years of experience in the consumer products industry. His expertise spans sales, strategy, operations, and marketing with leading global brands, including IBM, Campbell Soup, Pepsi-Cola, and more. Today, we'll be discussing the origin of diversity, equity, and inclusion, DEI initiatives, following the George Floyd tragedy, strategies for maintaining momentum, the importance of open communication in DEI efforts, and more. Ken, important topics. Thanks for coming on today. Rob, it is a terrific pleasure to be with you today, and thank you so much for the invitation. Really, really excited to be here. Well, our pleasure, and, and let's dive right in. Ken, as, as you have talked about, DEI initiatives were spurred into action by the emotions surrounding the George Floyd tragedy. How do we keep the momentum going? Well, thanks for the question, Rob, and I think it's an important question. I would say, uh, you know, as tragic as the George Floyd tragedy was then, I'd argue it's it's equally tragic as I think about it now. Uh, George Floyd died at the age of 46 years old. He died on May 25th, 2020, so about three and a half years ago. And he left a young daughter by the name of Gianna. Those are all uh, things that stir emotions in anyone uh, who has warm blood running through their body who saw that video on May 25th of 2020. And what I have to say is as tragic as the George Floyd tragedy uh, was and is, I would also offer that human nature tends to de- sometimes desensitize us the further we move away from a tragedy. Diversity, equity, and inclusion, and for purposes of this podcast, we'll just say DEI, it really should not be an emotional issue, and yet it is. That emotion typically occurs in the context of one group having a really misinformed understanding that somehow uh, something is being taken away from them. And I'm here to say that's just not so. Historically, there have been certain groups in society in general that have been marginalized, especially in their work environment. What I would offer to you is the way we keep that momentum going is leadership. Leadership is the key, no matter what the company, the organization, no matter whether they're small, medium, a large institution of higher learning, in our homes, in schools, leadership is essential. How do we define leadership? Leadership is defined as influence, pure and simple. It is finding our voices, each individual finding their voice. Uh, it is not without risk. It takes courage to lean into the topic of DEI, and I'm excited uh, to delve deeper into this topic with you, Rob. It, it does take courage. I, I agree, and that's all well said, Ken. It, you, you recently attended an ELC diversity and leadership event. What are some things you've learned from participating in this organization that listeners can apply to their own DEI initiatives and to their lives? Great. So let me, if, if it's okay, I'd love to. Just take 30 seconds and talk about ELC so sure. that for those who have not heard about it, they'll understand. I've been a member for uh, 12 or 13 years. 
ELC stands for the Executive Leadership Council. Uh, it is comprised of about 850 senior uh, African-American executives, largely in corporate America. Uh, several years ago, they established an entrepreneurial segment of which I'm a part of, as well as uh, my affiliation or through my affiliation with HI Executive Consulting or HIEC. Um, so ELC's mission is to increase the number of successful black executives, both domestically and internationally, by adding value to their development, to their leadership, and philanthropic philanthropic endeavors across the life cycle of their careers. Now, this is done in three specific sectors. One is in sort of the first sector is senior executives. The second is mid-level managers. And the third is students. Now, I, because I joined 12 years ago, I've been affiliated, though, with ELC for longer than that. Why is that? That's because prior to becoming a senior executive, I was a mid-level manager. And I had the opportunity to participate in the two or three day mid-level manager symposium, uh, you know, 15 or 16 years ago. Mm. And I got real inspiration from watching individuals that I had seen on TV, uh, frankly saw in magazines and Black Enterprise and Ebony magazine. These are folks that I have an opportunity to experience up close and personal as a mid-level manager. Well, what happens there? It's aspirational. You see someone that you are uh, impressed with, someone who has had a powerful impact on your life, albeit from a distance, and you want to mimic, you want to emulate uh, the success that they have had. And so that's what ELC seeks to do, you know, in this regard. How can organizations, how can your listeners apply their own DNI initiatives uh, to their own lives. Uh, well, ESC's programs attract multi-generational leaders um, and enhance their professional growth through leadership, through research, through coaching and development. Um, some of the most powerful, popular, and impactful offerings that ELC offers include corporate board development and preparation for the C-suite. So having organizations get young people of color, young diverse talent into the pipeline is critically important. The reason that I talked about my journey, Rob, yeah. is because I didn't just pop up and pop out to become a senior executive in corporate America. Absolutely. It took some time to get there, but it took PepsiCo. It took Campbell's Soup. It took IBM and some of the other companies that I worked for to establish me and put me in the pipeline and I'm all the better for it. I think you including your, your story is wonderful actually. So I, I thank you for doing so. You, you spoke about DEI being two sided, having the courage to say something and the client having the humility to listen. Can you expand on that for me? I'd be happy to Rob. I think, again, this is an important question. They're they're all important questions, but this is critical because it is not just about me. It is not just about you. It's about we, right? And the beauty of this topic is that literally almost anyone can speak about it. 
even if they don't believe they have a level of expertise, per se, in DE&I. Why is that? It's because we all have our own unique and differentiated experiences that equip us in any number of areas. Uh, every human being on the face of this earth is gifted with their own individual, unique, and distinct DNA. We look different. We act different. We dress different. We smell different. We talk in unique and different ways. Yet we bring a diverse perspective nonetheless. Now, it is important to state, I am not, repeat, not an expert on DNI. That's for sure. Sure. Yet I bring 30 years of corporate experience to the table. I'm a partner here at HIEC in the executive search space. I'm a husband. I'm a father. I'm a brother. I'm a friend. I'm a colleague. I'm a mentor. I'm a lot of different things. And depending upon the role that I play, whether it's at home or in the professional setting, I have a unique and diverse perspective. Well, the same can be said for HIEC's client base. What I have specifically witnessed is really twofold. There are some clients that don't speak specifically about DNI, DNI, yet outside the context of skin color or gender or ethnicity, what every client does want is diversity in terms of how someone brings their talents to the table. To be clear, the client retains HIEC and me as the executive search consultant on the project to represent them in the marketplace. And in doing so, the securing of top-notch talent and and best-in-class talent. They have a defined and specific set of criteria. And then what I do is I ask all of my clients if they have a desire to have a diverse slate of candidates. Sometimes they will broach the topic before I do, sometimes not so much. But the reality is I do make strong attempts to what I'll call demystify the topic of DE&I. Yeah. And focus on the critical business case for why having a diverse and inclusive workforce and culture is good for business. Education, it is so important. Uh, that's wonderful. Uh, much of the conversation, Ken, around DEI is focused on getting people in the door. What advice would you give to organizations on retaining those individuals and building a pipeline to support them in becoming leaders? You know, if you'll permit me, I'd like to go back to ELC and provide an example. I mentioned earlier in the podcast um, this um, mid-level manager symposium that I had the great pleasure of participating in 15 or 16 years ago. The MLMS is still uh, in existence. In fact, I attended ELC week several weeks ago prior to this podcast, and it was phenomenal. Every single year, ELC sponsors the Mid-Level Manager Symposium. This annual symposium is a two-day professional development experience for nearly 1,000 high-potential, high-performing corporate managers and leaders. Participants learn from and network with ELC members like myself who represent the most senior global executives in Fortune 1000 and Global 500 companies. Uh, The mid-level managers 
symposium experience is further enhanced by in-depth workshops segmented by experiential levels uh, called cohorts, as well as functional areas like sales and marketing and finance, IT, human resources, supply chain and professional services, all the kinds of practices, by the way, that uh, the firm that I work for and work with, HIEC, we have practices for all of these disciplines. The importance, I can't really underestimate the importance of these types of programs. Why? They have stick-to-itiveness, if you will, right? They have a stickiness to them. You have got to garner the feedback, the response, the attention of these young uh, corporate individuals. Frankly, they're not always corporate. Mm. You have many who are in the entrepreneurial sector, right? But you've got to find a way, especially in this day and age of social media, right, where it is just sort of the gotcha kind of moment. This can be a gotcha experience where it's positive. And once companies figure out ways, um, and we'll talk a little bit later, I'm sure, based on some of the questions, how to get at that, uh, I think corporate America will see grand success in this area. How has your experience as a corporate executive played a role in your current work in search focusing on DEI? Well, Rob, you know, I was a corporate executive for 30 years. And I would call that that journey of 30 years my true north in the executive search space. Having spent all that time in corporate America and, frankly, with some of the world's most iconic brands, you mentioned some of them at the top of this podcast. I, you know, had the good fortune of spending 17 full years at PepsiCo and I led some of the largest brands in the portfolio, right? I spent time at Pepsi Cola, at Gatorade, Frito-Lay, Quaker Oats, uh, outside of the PepsiCo brand. I spent time at Campbell Soup. I started my career at IBM. So I've had sort of the journey of having been what what would be called an individual contributor. Mm-hmm. I then took on, you know, a team and became a mid-level manager. Uh, and then, you know, eventually the last 15 years of my career, I was a senior executive. Uh, over the 15 years at different companies and in different industries, I literally reported to six CEOs. So I have a unique and diverse set of experiences that I think make me immediately or eminently qualified to play in this space. Sure. Rob, when I reflect on my corporate career, one of the things I'm most proud of is the intentionality of my leadership through the years. Specifically, because DE&I was important to me almost from the very beginning of my career, probably because I'm a person of color, for sure, but when I became a people leader, I made it a significant priority and I made it part of my personal and professional branding. And that was to have a diverse and inclusive team. Even while interviewing for senior roles outside of the company that I was currently employed with, I would broach the topic with my future boss. Oftentimes they were the CEO that I was actually going to be reporting to. It was that important to me. I am proud to say that I never heard a CEO that I interviewed with tell me that they weren't committed to my approach to building a winning team. And that for me started with having a makeup and composition 
that looked like our consumer base. With HIEC and specifically in executive search, I have made it a point to continue along this pathway. Um, one of my key mantras is to do the following. Represent the client extremely well in the marketplace and advocate on behalf of the candidates that are in the mix for that role. I have a ton of empathy for others, just generally speaking. And that empathy extends to how I interact with both client and candidate. The notion of striking the right balance, I would say, between IQ and EQ becomes paramount. With IQ, for example, there there isn't a candidate that I've spoken with on any search that I've conducted that lacks keen insights and, frankly, intelligence. But the EQ side of the ledger, Rob, I I would have to say that leaves much to be desired in a lot of cases. Mm. EQ or emotional quotient, sometimes called emotional intelligence, is the ability to project self-awareness and empathy for yourself and for others. Regrettably, I find this lacking in today's environment in too many instances. I'm, I'm thankful, I'm grateful that HIEC is, I'll call, standing in the gap on behalf of our client base in this regard. I'm just, I'm like dazzled listening to everything you're saying. So I had to hesitate there for a moment, but let's, let's roll on. Uh, how can leaders approach DEI with authenticity and genuine understanding, Ken? Sure. So I would say, you know, at a base level, Rob, leaders lead from the front. Let me say that again. Leaders lead from the front. And so what that means is leaders have to be uh, start with being equipped with credibility. Uh, and then that leads to influence and then others uh, and then offers the, the leader an opportunity to what I'll call find their voice or finding their voice. You cannot have leader. You cannot have influence as a leader if you don't first have credibility. Yeah. Folks are just not going to listen to you. Yeah. And so how do you build credibility? Well, you actually don't start with building credibility in DNI. The way you start with building credibility is in your craftsmanship. If you're in sales, be the best person who sells your company's product. Deliver your sales quota every quarter, every year, right? Build up a pipeline of performance over and over and over. I, I can often think back to times when I was leading teams and specifically individuals who, you know, wanted to get promoted quicker than I thought or the company thought that they should be. And what I would say to them, Rob, is you've had one great year, but what here's what I need you to do. I need you to kind of go back and double down and have another great year. In other words, lap yourself. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You, you took on a job where the previous person, the reason we put you in the job, by the way, is that the previous person didn't do the job exceptionally well. That's why you have the job. Well, you basically overlapped really soft numbers. Now I need you to go back now that you had a great year and have another great year. What am I saying? You've got to be consistent in terms of uh, the credibility that you build. And then once you uh, have that credibility, you have influence and then you can find your voice as a leader. You, you know, you might ask, what if I don't understand how to approach DNI with authentic, authenticity and genuine understanding? 
I have a saying, Rob, that I've used for many years, both in my personal and professional life. And it goes like this. Seek to understand rather than be understood. Simply put, when you seek to understand, you basically are asking a ton of questions. Mm -hmm. You're in a learning mode. But when you want to be understood, you literally are just making statements all day long. Making statements, especially out of context, leaves you open and vulnerable in such a way that risks your credibility, influence, and overall leadership. To that end, how can companies rectify past mistakes and ensure they are tapping into diverse talent pools? So this is a question that, frankly, I can actually answer in a very simple way. However, I'll be the first to admit it's often not executed well by companies. So what I would say is the best thing that companies can do is to proactively, you know, bold, underline, italicize, capitalize that word, proactively address past mistakes. You know, I am of the belief that employees are much more likely to forgive, even if not forget, if the company acknowledges past transgressions Mm. and, and commits, though, to a brighter future. How do you do that? The company needs to have specific actions for what they're going to do going forward that get people perhaps, if not forget, certainly forgive those past transgressions. So I'd say a couple of things. One, the company should be intentional. Do something. Start somewhere. Host a town hall meeting or fireside chat. You know, do a wine and cheese reception. Do whatever you think needs to be done to gather people to gauge their reactions, their thought processes, their perspectives on what it is that you're attempting to do. But whatever you do, get going and do it now. Your business's success and its future depends upon it. Last thing for you as we begin to wrap up, how do diverse executive teams impact company performance and culture? So the first thing I would say is it is enormously challenging, if not impossible, to project diversity and inclusion from a company's perspective if the executive leadership is not themselves or themselves not diverse. Now, that doesn't mean that everybody needs to all look alike. In fact, I would offer diversity is inviting, you know, frankly, a lot of people, even if they're different, to the table. Mm. But inclusion is respecting each of those individuals for bringing a point of view, a perspective, a thought process to the table that may not agree with yours. Uh, diversity and inclusion is not a set of monolithic thinkers. Again, it is bringing individuals to a table who may not all think and act alike, but they have something to contribute nonetheless. 
So assuming for the sake of this forum, the executive team is diverse, I would respond, you know, as follows. If I, if I think about the ELC and my own experience, um, you know, there's a business proposition that when diversity and inclusion leads, corporate America and global enterprises succeed. There's been lots of research. ELC, for example, publishes twice a year mm-hmm. in the spring and in the fall, uh, research journals, right? That speak to the business case for diversity and inclusion. And so this belief is in part based on not Ken's opinion, but it's on research, which shows that diverse and well-managed teams yield better results. Um, and so it is directly linked to company performance, cultural uh, and cultural improvement and employee engagement. Uh, said, said simply, Rob, with diversity and inclusion, I don't really believe a company can lose. I think that's just so well said. It, it's been very inspiring to listen to you, Ken, and, and uh, I hope it's inspired our listeners as well because, as I said at the top, this is such an important topic, and let's face it, we've got to get this one right. Absolutely right. Ken, I, I've, I've greatly enjoyed it. Thank you so much for your time today. Hope the, I hope the podcast, it, it's an important podcast for our listeners, and I hope they come away with a strong understanding of your platform. We wish you and HIAC continued success and hope to have you on back on a future podcast as well. Well, Rob, uh, again, thank you for the opportunity. And let me just say in summary, you know, I don't stand here, you know, by myself. I stand here because of the platform that HIEC has provided to me. Uh, and so on behalf of HIEC and our entire global team, uh, it really has been a terrific pleasure to spend time with you. I am hopeful that many people will listen uh, to the questions uh, as well as perhaps some of the responses. Uh, feel free to reach out to me via our website. Uh, I'm on LinkedIn. Uh, this is a really important topic. I'm grateful for the opportunity to shed some light on such this, uh, an important topic. And I would also say I owe a debt of gratitude for helping to allow the light to shine a bit brighter. We will all benefit from the actions uh, in this regard. So thanks again. No, it's been our pleasure. That's all the time we have here today. Alongside Ken Wilcox of HIAC, I'm Rob Adams, and this has been an outstanding edition of Talent Talks.